they call it show business for a reason. It's show business, it's not tell business. Don't tell me what you're gonna do. Seek my input. Don't seek my buy-in. I'm too busy for you to get my buy-in if I'm a salesperson. Hi, how you doing there, buddy? Good, how are you? I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little tired. I'm a little well, tired. There's, there, there's uh, I feel like there's there's always a little bit of that uh, going on. It's Thursday afternoon. We got to, okay. you know. I'm a lot of tired. I'm a yeah. lot of tired. I'm feeling every bit of the last episode of 2020 here. I am feeling every bit of of December, and I am ready to. Uh, I would say it's 51 weeks of fighting commoditization, one week of recuperation and regeneration. And then it's, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, no, kid, boy, I, that's, not, that's, that's the constant state of being these days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we shut down for the week. What do you, do you, are you guys officially open or how do you guys handle it? Uh, I mean, there's no specific policy, but everybody will take some time off. And, you know, everybody's working from home these days. And yeah, so who knows? You know, like, who, who knows what, uh, I'm not... I never force anybody to work. It's a liberal yeah. league policy. Like yeah. get your, get your, get your shit done and, and, and have fun in life. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was in sales, I never worked that week. I, I always took Christmas to, to New Year's off. It was, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've worked that week and I was in financial services. So I had that, I, I got someone to cover me on December 31st for the few people that really needed to worry about uh, tax related stuff. Um, so when I started to imagine, um, I thought, yeah, you know, it's only fair you know, let's just close, right? Like, you know, and, and I'll tell you, it, it turned out to be the smartest decision I ever made. Um, a, employees, legitimately, like it, it's probably the, one of the most appreciated, most talked about, and I get the most thanked for that we're closed, right? And, you know, when, when we, if someone asks about, you know, time, et cetera, in an interview, we tell them this and they're like, well, does that count against your, your leave? Other than the fact that we don't count leave, you know, no, it doesn't. Right. Um, so a, it's, it's, you know, tremendously appreciated B I don't know anybody that's actually productive if they're working that week. So it's not like you're losing, you know, a, a whole lot of production, but where the genius really was like, when I go on vacation, I unplug a lot of people don't believe that, but I unplug, I don't like, I turn off my email. I'll go, you know, I'll go on a cruise. I'll go the week without checking my email or anything. And then, you know, so, you know, I get to day five of the vacation and you begin to go, okay, what's waiting for me? And then you're like day six of one week. You're like, oh, okay. Then, then, you know, Saturday or Sunday, the vacation's over. So I turn on my email with like, okay, what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Then I come back to the office and of course, everyone's been waiting for things and also stuff's happened, right? Everything is not where it was when I left. So I go through a day or two of, of getting reacclimated. When I, when I started doing this, I found that I came back. A, I didn't have to worry about anybody reaching out to me because no one else in the company was working. And B, I came back, everything was where it was. So like there was no angst, there was no anything. And, and so it's actually, um, you know, some of the most restive kind of plugged back, you know, unplugged to plug back in. And well, I'd I, like I to say it was all by design. Yeah, I, I think you're missing uh, C, which is an important component as well no matter what, if we, if we like as employees or team members, if, if we go on vacation any time of the year, you know, somebody's going to reach out to you like, Hey, you know, can you, can you do this? And, and, and you're not doing that because you're not working either. And I, I would take, when I was in sales, I would take a very similar approach. I would say to all of my customers, December 16th is not my end of year or, or it's not my company's end of year, but it is my end of year. If you want to work a deal, you want to do anything, December 16th, because the worst thing that can happen is you're stressed out over the holidays because you got some last big deal that you're working on. Guess what? The procurement officer that you're working with doesn't want to work either. But so it just creates a lot of angst. And that's what I would do. I would December 16th. I would say, you, you know, know what? I'm done for the rest of the year. You know, and, and this is where it shows I'm a little older than you. Um, I got to say that that. So, you know, some of it was the way that I approached things. Some of it was, it, it was a, a, a bit of a different time. So I don't know that it would be exactly the same. Um, some of it is that I got into sales leadership really, really early. 
um, you know, at Eddie, but I've never done personally the, the end of month, end of quarter, end of year thing, right? Like I've never, I, I get that. And I, it's totally, completely legitimate. Um, but I've, A, I've always tried to measure by trailing X number, you know, X period of time. So it's more because I, you know, I value consistency. B, I think, you know, all this month end stuff or quarter end or year end stuff, you know, there, there's often discounting involved, often, right? Um, oh, very, yeah, no, right? very often. But you, you have also got to remember a lot of companies, they'll come up with a, you know, a pot of money at the end of the year. And they're like, hey, we got to spend this. What can we spend it on? Sure, no, for, I get it. For, right, for no, tax I, purposes, things like that. And so I would work with them. Right. And say, so you would plan that up, right, right. Right, don't, don't, don't come to me after December 16th and tell me that, hey, we can get this, you know, done if, hey, my budget is a million bucks, but what you're, the proposal you gave me for next year is 1.4 million. I can give it to you. If you can do it for a million bucks, we'll sign on the dotted line before the end of the year. Well, okay, D don't come to me with that after right, December right, 16th. Right, right. Yep. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So, Artie, let's go. Let's go to, uh, well, I guess it's not the big, it's the big news of, of, of what happened just before our last podcast, but uh, we're going to talk about it right now. So there was a small acquisition that took place a couple of weeks ago. Um, Salesforce committed to the purchase of acumen strategies what do you think of that yes i actually i have a well i have a i have a actually a very very good friend that is a uh, executive vice president there i know, um, I know. and by the way that everyone that, who's that listening the... that is true it did happen um they did buy acumen strategies they did you know enter into acumen uh, solutions i'm solutions. sorry acumen solutions sorry i don't know you know it's all that yeah. um and uh but at that on the same day they they also bought this small little company called and so we talked about it a little bit uh, in the last podcast and we started um, going down a rabbit hole and, and said, oh, maybe there is enough here to talk about. So, um, Mike, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? What do you think about the. Uh, so it, it's there's been a couple articles about it. I think it was a bit of a bittersweet um, acquisition for Slack. First and foremost, I hope uh, the employees of Slack that uh, had been around there for a while. Um, made some money. I, I was, I was interested when I, when I was going back and looking at some of the data, they were founded in 2009. And a lot of people don't actually understand the, the background of, of how Slack was, uh, was acquired. Sorry, contact just fell out of my eye, um, which is weird. Uh, but they were founded in 2009. And what had happened was they were developing some type of, uh, I think video platform or something. It was, a game. And they had, it was gaming. They were, oh, gaming, gaming, right? And they uh, they had used this intern. They had built this internal tool to get rid of email. Email was just so disruptive to their day. And when they went to their investors and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna shut down," or "Hey, we've got this other idea," you know, we don't want to keep just spending your money. Um, we'd rather we'd rather either give it back to you, you know, give back what's left, or you know, just kind of fold the company. And the investors were like, wow, this actually is a pretty interesting messaging app. And then they, they move forward. Um, so again, 2009, not a startup in, in my viewpoint. I mean, they've been around for 11 years. It's so funny. We still call companies that have been around for 15 years, 20 years startups. I don't think, I don't think, we, I don't think people are calling Slack startups anymore. It's like they were public. Well, it, well, just because you go public doesn't mean you're not a, not a, not necessarily oh, a startup. You're not, you're not a startup. If, if, I'm sorry. If you've gone, if, if you've, if you're legitimately public, I'm not talking about penny stock public. I mean, if you, you're not, you're not a startup anymore at, at the point you go public. I mean, who, All right, well, one I mean, startup. Argument tell me one public startup. Okay. Well, I mean, define, define startup. There's 20 different so definitions the, of it. I mean, Snowflake might even be considered a startup. They've only been around for a few years, but yeah, but they're worth a hundred billion dollars. See, See, here's the interesting thing, though. If you look at, if you really look at the underlying definitions of startup, and I don't want to go down this path too much, um, it, it really, how old you are isn't really the relevant definition. It's actually, it's, it's actually a math definition, right? You're finding your math. You're finding your, you know, product market fit, and what's your, what's your growth equation, right? Once you, once you have the growth equation, that's the beginning of moving up into a scale-up phase, right? And, and so when you're, I mean, again, we can call it whatever, but I, you know. I, 
I wasn't hearing people saying, "Oh, did you hear about that startup in sales?" No, I said, right. <laughs> so, I, so I anyway, so what do you? But but what do you think? Like what? You, well, uh, you I, use Slack I, now. So what? Do, what right. do you think about the purchase? Like, are you excited by it? Are you? Uh, I mean, I'm a bit indifferent on it. Um, I think it was something that Slack had to do to stay relevant and compete with Microsoft, and I think it's something Salesforce had to do to compete and and stay relevant against uh, Microsoft. Okay, I don't mean to nitpick you, but I'm going to nitpick you. Okay. Um, was it something that Salesforce had to do? Salesforce had to buy Slack to be able to compete with this emerging battle of office suites, of which Microsoft is a leader. Yep. Slack had to do it to compete with Microsoft? You see, you kind of said they both. I think Slack had to do it to be, to survive. Well, that's what I'm saying. To to, uh, not to, to survive and be and, and and to be relevant, right? Right, but it, but it wasn't like they needed to do that to be able to compete with Microsoft. They needed to do that. You know, what to, one to, thing that's right, interesting to be relevant and survive. What one, one thing that's interesting is you started off saying you hope the people that work there um, made a lot of money, uh, which they likely did because uh, you know a they went public. Not a lot of companies go public at below their. Uh, I mean, WeWork was almost going to go public at below their their uh, previous valuations, but um, and they got bought at a premium. Um, but I, what a lot of people weren't talking about too is that um, Slack was having major issues retaining high level talent. Um, when you look at the stock price uh, uh, pre pandemic, post you know to now, it really was of that you know it didn't move a whole lot, and certainly right. I mean it, Zoom. It, went crazy and 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 so the executives were leaving um, because the stock wasn't doubling and tripling and quadrupling. So exactly. And they I mean they IPO'd at what 37 37 22 in June of 2019. And then today they're trading at 4257. So go not a, well, yeah that's not much. Yeah. So, it, so they were down at 20 so they were they were, so they were below their IPO price when they got bought then. Oh yeah, yeah, significant. Okay. I didn't, they were I didn't at, pay that much. Uh, they were probably in a 20, 27, 29 range. Yeah, I think I remember. I remember twenty seven. Oh, I didn't know that they were. So they got they got bought, they got bought for a premium above their trading price, but they didn't get bought for a premium above their IPO price. Well, this is where we're walking into my domain. Being yeah. bought at a premium is related to the current price of your stock, I, 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 not the I, price I of your that. stock some right. time earlier in history. Right. Um, I hate it. I flat out hate it. I hate it on every single level. I can't stand it. I hate well, it as a it, user. It makes, it makes giant tech. It, it, it's there's certainly a, a lot has been highlighted behind the the monopolies and in, in, in giant tech with with this acquisition as well. Well, well, you've got monopolies, but but there's also there, there, there's a so so as a user i hate it because i use slack you know what i like that slack was slack i liked that slack wasn't slack and zoom and email and whatever slack was slack right right um what made slack slack and i think we started talking about this last time what made slack slack was their integrations right um you know, HubSpot was building major integration. HubSpot's been like over the last year, the integration they've had with Slack, what you're able to do working those two pieces, Google's integration with Slack, Zoom's in it. Like there was like, well, do you think for a second now when HubSpot's thinking about Slack that on, on their roadmap that they're not thinking, okay, wait a second, that's, that's Salesforce, our, right. our oh, probably our primary a, competitor. Right, without a doubt. Right, and 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 so now there's that. Do I think that that Salesforce bought Slack because they wanted Slack's user base to stay Slack's user base? No. No. Right. So now, you know, I can't wait. I mean, I, I've actually begun to see it a little bit more. I've been, I've actually gotten a couple more. Maybe I've just noticed it. Marketing email messages from Slack about, you know, this webinar on X. I'm going. Uh, please don't do this. Right. So, so a as you know, if you go back, you know, a few decades ago, we had this conglomeration um, 
mania where, you know, everybody bought everything. Um, and then someone woke up and said, wait, why does a, um, a fiber optics company own a kitchenware company? Right. What, where, where's the synergy there? And then everything broke up. And I think now we're kind of, you know, now, now we're going through the tech version of the platform wars, right. Which we get to take credit. We, we dubbed this the platform wars, like in the second or third episode. Right. Yep. Um, so you've got that. So now, like, I don't think it's going to be good for user experience. Right. I don't think it's going to be good for innovation. Right, you know, um, it, well, it, one hundred percent. I mean, it will it will not be good for innovation. I mean, you know, that, that, that's that, that. I'm 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 going to pick on something on a much smaller scale, and I hope not to offend anybody, but we speak the truth here. You know, Costello, which was a you know, which was a really neat small company that was you know absolutely in a startup phase, doing some cool things around you know around how to create playbooks for salespeople. Right, they were doing things, and and HubSpot was noticing what they were doing, and it was influencing HubSpot's roadmap. And Salesloft noticed what they were doing, and Outreach noticed what they were doing, and and, and then Salesloft bought um, Costello. And and you know, I, I did really not know that they bought Costello. Oh, they bought, they bought, yeah, this, was, this was a few years ago. That's why you haven't yeah. heard anything about Costello. Right. I remember right. when you first started talking about them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, and 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 look, you know, I was an early user of their product. Um, I liked what they were doing. I had some issues, but I loved like there was innovation. It was coming out. It was changing the game. It was looking at these um, these different plays. Well, sales loft bought it. Um, I know like their intent was not to be sold at the stage that they were sold, right? But sales loft bought it. Um, it, it, it and now, now it's sales loft, right? And sales loft is in their place. And, and is sales loft innovating? I mean, they're innovating. They're not, I don't know. Like I used to notice a lot of what sales loft does. They, I don't really, they're not as present as they used to be. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I know users that use them and, and we still pay attention to them, but again, I think the innovation level and certainly to the market, the innovation level, um, petered out. I know it's Peter, it's going to peter out in terms of, um, in, in, in terms of, you know, in, in terms of the Salesforce acquisition, by the way, if you're a kick-ass engineer, kick-ass market, kick-ass, whatever at Slack, well, now if you want to be the king of the hill, are you going to be the king of it? Do you want to be in the Slack division? No, you're not going to be in the Salesforce you're, division, right? right. So, you're, you're, absolutely. Right? And you're likely going to leave anyway. So, and you know what? Here's something that's interesting. I, so, in, in a much different way, in a different industry, I'm not going to name the companies. Um, a, a major player in, and it was a tech player in this company, bought another company. I knew somebody whose small company basically wasn't able to get the funding that he needed to continue. So he actually strategically sold to this other private company that was private equity funded um, that we didn't think he was going to be there much longer. Um, then he got sold, you know, then they sold to the dark side, the ultimate of bureaucracy. But he stayed, he's like two years there now. He's like four years. And, and, and the reason is they had a really big playground for him. And so, yeah, there's some bureaucracy, but now all of a sudden, and you get it, right? When, when you're bootstrapping your, your tech and now you go into a place where, you know, here's how many screens would you like, Mr. Donnelly, right? <laughs> right. And, and you have this big playground and you've got really great people to do things. And so like, I wouldn't discount the fact that I think that there are going to be some, some key talent from Slack that, that gets moved into divisions in Salesforce. And they get oh, a big playground with, to play with, with and they stay. Right, with, 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 without right. a doubt. Right. Without a doubt. But, right, and, and, and so now you have this battle, Microsoft, everyone's talking Microsoft and Salesforce. I think it's Microsoft, Google, Salesforce. I think it's Microsoft and Google. And I think Salesforce is trying to find their way into there. I, I have doubts about that, right? Because, um, you know, where where's the office suite? I know they've got work.com and they're doing this whole you know, crazy, insane thing. Where, yeah, right. Where's the office suite but, that Salesforce has? They, but, they, they, you know, and, and, and look, I'll tell you what, Salesforce, if they're going to seriously play there, I'm definitely going out of my domain now. But if they want to play there, they're going to have to do something with their core technology. Um, you know, Microsoft finally had to do something with their core technology, right? The whole move to, to Office Cloud and, and all those, they had to, you know, step away from that legacy software and it, and it led to a lot of disruption and, and, um, you know, it's been handled extraordinarily well, I think, for them. You've 
You see that in their valuation. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But but like I mean, one of the reasons that Salesforce is such a strong, stable, and complicated, cumbersome piece of software is because it's fundamentally the same basic core software that it was when it started, right? I mean, it's right. built on yep. an old, right? And and so if you're going to start getting it, like if you're really going to compete for this suite, like Microsoft trying to buy Slack and then coming out with Teams. And I think one of the reasons why Teams got so much adoption so quickly was we're already using, you know, we're using them as our office productivity suite. Google's getting traction with, um, with uh, Google Me, Google Hangout, whatever they're calling it now, which by the way, it has improved a lot. Um, I've had several meetings because a client uses them and I never have the problem. And maybe it's just the time of day, but I, I never have the problems that I have with Zoom. Now, now maybe that's, you know, I, I get that Zoom is bigger, probably, you know, certainly bigger than, than Google Me, but I'm thinking that Google probably overall still has more resources at their, you know, being pulled from them. They have more bandwidth being used across all of Google than, than uh, that's my guess, than Zoom. No, yeah, right. I, and and, I and so, so, but but anyway, so, so there's been that improvement. So my question with 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 Salesforce is, you know, their core business is CRM. It still is. They do a million things other than CRM. My my favorite was when they were going to buy Twitter. Um, but where does the office suite come in? And, and by the way, when's the last time you sent an email from 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 Salesforce? From Salesforce, right? Not not, not very, you know. So. That that's a whole. I mean, so so a there's an interesting thing that that's there, and the real reason I hate it is Slack didn't want to sell. This was not a strategic sell. This was not a strategic sell. This was a defensive sale. This was you cannot succeed. Um, you can't succeed on your own. That that's what this was. This was such a monopolistic um, value suck that, it, that it, 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 it candidly makes me want to cry. Um, it, you know, there's a great article, Hannah, we'll make sure we get it into the show notes, but there's a great article that really talks through it. Um, and look, I get, you know, is there anything super amazing about Slack's technology? I, I don't know enough to know, but from the people that I know, no, there was not... But everything else they did, they were a good company. They, they built good relationships. They were responsive. By the way, uh, the emojis, the, the multiple of like, like Facebook wouldn't be Facebook if it wasn't for Slack. Right. The innovation of, 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 of the Slack response things, I mean, and by the way, all Facebook does is steal shit, right? Did, did you hear their new thing? The um, it's like celebrity live or something. Basically, whether hey, look at Cameo. And how do we copy Cameo? Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's a you know, it's just um, you know, I I don't think they have an innovative bone in their body. Um, and and this is just an innovation killer, right? And look, I I I, like that. That is one thing that I. This is it bad for really, America. Really, it, 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 it's bad for America. It's bad for tech. It's bad for innovation. And I mean, you brought up the perfect example. It, like Costello is just, as the small guy. I mean, we're a sm- super small guy. And the like, you, you said it perfectly. Like HubSpot started seeing what they were doing, so they started like talking to them, find out how's your product work. Let's you know, oh, Sales we can on. build some. No, 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 that's not that. some of that. And, and no, HubSpot, no, HubSpot has done that. HubSpot has done that to integration. Sure. And, and, and so oh. then you've got. Okay. That's, that, that's, go, that, 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 that's not the door. That's not the door that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, because by the way, HubSpot had started working on playbooks before, play, before Costello came. And, and what Costello was doing, like, because I, I used them both and I would say, oh, hey, I would say, hey, Costello, here's what HubSpot's doing that I think is better. Hey, HubSpot, here's what Costello is doing that I think is better. And, and all that, I mean, that's what's supposed to happen, right? There, there's, there's, I, I don't, I want to get, I, I know the issue that you're talking about, but let, let's, 
And, and I'm not t- just talking about a, a, like HubSpot specifically, but it is that big tech mentality where Microsoft copied Slack. Well, with, you know what? Hold team. on, hold on. That's the problem. That's why this is bad for the world and bad for America. Yeah. You know why? Because HubSpot's not big tech. So, so you're I agree, correct. I, I, I agree. Because you know what this says? You know what? You know what the purchase of Slack says? When's HubSpot sell? That you can't, you can't compete against big tech. When does HubSpot sell? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, absolutely. Now, if you want to look at them and say, you know, at some point strategically, they're they're they want you know, there's an acquisition, that's fine. But but what this says is that the path to, and and I'm sure everybody at HubSpot right now is going to disagree with me, and and I'm not saying necessarily that, that this is the path because I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a left turn here in a second um but but that's what that you know all of these games that we're playing the the underlying the underlying structure we're we're, we're playing a rigged game right now and I don't like playing rigged games rigged games really really frustrate me um and and you know, we've forgotten what antitrust is for. Everyone looks at antitrust like it's a penalty. And it's really not. Antitrust is antitrust is a finish line. Congratulations. You're one of the very, very few that got to the finish line. Now it's time for you to play a new game. <laughs> That's right? I you know like what? that. You know what? When you win the but it's true. Yeah, it is true. and you go back the next year, you start at zero with everybody else, right? So, so I'm, we get to take some credit here because I think we're like two months ago, we talked about Brinker's report on, um, on MarTech 2030. And as we got towards the end, I talked about the black swan of all of this, all of these predictions about tech, that there was a black swan. And the black swan was the role of regulation. Right. And technology has been the wild west. They, they have been treated like like fragile little doves by just about every entity with the possible exception of occasionally the EU, um, you know, takes out their saber. And they've been treated this way since the antitrust um, lawsuit against Microsoft, right? And they've been given free reign. And you know, you know who want, you know who played the Facebook Microsoft, Google, and it looks like increasingly Salesforce game better than all of them combined. Jay Rockefeller played the game much, much better, right? What was the game? The game was vertical integration. I own the rails. I own the trains. I own the oil. I own every aspect about the supply chain. And and let us not forget everybody that there's only two components in business. You have distribution or you have content. That's all there is. And, and in the 1900s, what one of the decisions that enabled America to become the, the amazing space of innovation that it was, was we said, you can't own the whole game, right? Um, you have to, every, and, and if you do on multiple places, they have to compete on their own. And so when Facebook comes in and says, oh, we'll just bleed them dry, right? Because... A, we already have the tech, you know, we'll just, you know, so we'll buy them or we'll break them. I think actually what they use is we'll buy them or we'll bleed them. I think that was actually in one of the uh, emails that, that, that was there. So, so A, you got this vertical integration game that is just atrocious. It's not good for anybody. It stifles innovation. It stifles everything that's good. Uh, you know, the baby bells had, you know, Bell, think about how many innovations bell had that that they just hid right like no that we, we're not, we're not going to bring out the user interface no we're not going to bring out the this no we're not going to bring out this because um it, it it threatens our business kodak had the digital camera 10 12 years before anyone before saw anybody digital else camera. right yeah. and they said yep. and they said no no we're not going to bring that out you know why why was it and by the way who was the company responsible for for displacing um, Kodak, do you remember who it was? No. It was Nokia. Nokia. 
because of the cell phone. They put a camera yeah. in the cell phone. And in the, in the they, cell phone, right. They didn't beat Kodak because they created a camera. They beat Kodak because they were a cell phone. And they put a digital camera. So it, a phone company, actually, I remember I was doing a presentation. I asked a question, who's the largest uh, photography company in the world? And you know, Kodak is, right? No, no, it's Nokia, right? Remember when everyone had a Nokia handset? Right, yeah, right, right? yep. Right, right. So, so you know, the, that's what happens as you begin to get to these status. Remember when we were in that 2035, I talked about Gaussian distributions versus Pareto distributions, bell curve versus 80-20. Right. This is all, I mean, this is 95.5, right? Which means all the hard work of all these companies right now, all we're doing is feeding more and more into Facebook, Google, et cetera. That's, the, you know, that's the game that's happening. So we said, I think that three things are happening right now that, that make predicting what's going to happen next um, difficult to impossible. Okay. And, and I think that, um, I think we haven't felt the disruptive tremors from this yet. Number one, COVID, all right. What did COVID teach us? COVID taught us that Slack, not the company, Slack in the supply chain, maybe it's not so bad after all, right? How in the world did the greatest manufacturing country in the world, the most advanced manufacturing country in the world was unable to manufacture Q-tips? Sorry, we can't get Q-tips because China shut down right now right? Just in time, right? So we take an efficiency, 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 because that's what we have been, you know, we've been praying to the God of efficiency. We, 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 we've been praying to the God of artificial value. You know, so, you know, we talked about this several times ago, value extraction. And what COVID said was, oh shit, this global engineered supply chain that was just a miracle to behold, Maybe it's not so safe and secure after all. So that was number one. Number two, Google got sued. And I've actually been reading some interesting things from people who have actually read all of the documents. And I mean, it's nasty. They are not, they're not playing. Um, there's going to be some ugly, ugly oh, shit. It, 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 come out. With, with, without a doubt. Um, and, and they're going to get broken up. Facebook getting sued. That is going to be nasty. Guess what? They're getting broken up. Amazon. Actually, Scott Galloway is talking about this. Um, Galloway believes that Amazon is going to spin out AWS or something like that preemptively. Like, I mean, they're smart. Bezos is a smart guy. He knows they're being looked at. Right. right, you know, my, my, my favorite was when stop, when stop Bezos, fighting the stop stop fighting the the eventual when and, when when Bezos said in the in the congressional hearings, I can't I can't confirm that that did not happen, right? Where you know, was right. anyone using the data? Right? I can't confirm that did not happen. Um, what, what wonderful turn of a phrase, right? The the the, the truth changed, and 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 so by the way, what's coming out about this is. Look at the shit that surveillance capitalism is doing. Like this is, this is nasty, nasty stuff. Um, you're you're hearing all the news. You know, Tim uh, Tim Cook says Facebook deserves this. Facebook just came out out with their new you know with their advertising because they are the champion of small business. Um, if anybody believes that, please give me a call. I have some very valuable offers for you. Um, so, so, so you have this Facebook thing going on because Apple's shutting cookies down, right? So we got this person, wait, that means that I'm actually going to be able to go to a website and, and actually be like, my data is going to be my data and you won't know my data unless I want you to know my data. I mean, we joke about it in sales and marketing, you know, with, with all this email tracking and pixels and this, I mean, we jokingly call it stalking, Yeah. but, but that's what it is. And, and, you know, we've seen in other places, like legally, it actually is stalking in terms of some of the things that, that have happened. And, and it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the value of window shopping was I could window shop anonymously, right? I'd walk into a Barnes and Noble and I could look at books and the books that I, I didn't have to worry about. Well, because yeah, I, I know, but books, here, here, here's the problem, like Google getting rid of third party track. You still, you, you think they're really not going to be capturing that data for, for use themselves? I think that so they're, I, they're not. They're not. See, hold on. Other people you're missing. Use. You're missing the point here. 
See, the point is, of course, they're going to use that for themselves because they're vertically integrated. Right. Exactly. But, that, exactly. Well, well, guess what? That's why vertical integration was was violated antitrust. I, I, I look. And, I, I and you know who the hero is going to be for for years. Why we have not been exploring breaking these companies up and 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 why yeah. it hasn't already happened. But but, but by the way, you, you you know where the hero's coming from right now? It's going to be Apple. Apple's Apple's shutting it down so that hey Google, guess what? You don't get it whether you want it or not. Right. Right. Facebook is saying small businesses are going to lose. No, Facebook is like, wait a second, hold on. This is our entire business. Okay. So again, my point is this regulation is coming um, now with your apps. If, if you get an app on iPhone, it tells you what every app gets access to. And like, there's all kinds of stuff coming out about what? And, and, you know, we think, oh, they have access to it when I'm on the app. No, they don't have access to no, it. They, the they have access to everything. Everything. Okay, so 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 we've got that. So, so you've already got the first kinks of regulation beginning to kick in. Um, by the way, where I think this is ultimately going to be led is it's going to be led in Europe, because I think they've got, I think the EU has has bigger cojones to deal with it, um, and, and they're more on point. We're not going to have these silly little battles. But by the way, remember Texas is a core part of the of the suit against Facebook, and let me tell you that you know Texas antitrust they. They don't play games. So that's the second thing. And here's the third thing. With all this conversation about digital transformation and, and everything. And that's what's going on with Russia right now. Right? Solar wind, um, yep. fire eye. Like, like, I mean, the statement is, you know, Russia has the ability to control, not, not, not spy on, control some amazing level of of systems that we don't even know this, this this security breach was an epic proportion like they they are now and i i've actually talked to eric about this they are now making calls to say we we have to stand up a an entirely new government network that doesn't even talk to the existing one so that we can move everything to that and that is a monumental. And, and they're not even sure that that will actually solve, that that will the, solve problem, the problem. Right. right. And, there's, and, so, and there's not enough, probably, the government doesn't have enough smart people and, to, to, to even. And so I was talking to a friend of mine who owns an agency. He's going to laugh when he hears this. And he was talking about he had you know visited this company that's near $100 million. And their product catalog is a composition notebook with um, red lines for products that don't exist anymore, right? To which one thing says, hey, guess what? You can build a $100 million business in a notebook, right? Let's not forget that. But you know what I said to him? I said, you know what, you know what the good thing about that notebook is? You can't hack it. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, he came back and said, yeah, you can burn it, but you can't hack it. I said, yeah, but you know what? At least if you burn it, no one has it, right? And so now all of a sudden, like we... We've been living this life of like, um, despite all the evidence that's there, right? Of, of, oh, this is, this is nothing. This is not, well, we're now beginning to go, oh, wait a second. Having everything here. Like the thing that freaked me out the most is you could send me an email and the access that Russia has, and apparently this division in the Russian, whatever, like they're the best of the, like, I was reading about them and it's like, like they're better than we are at this, this like. They're, they're like the seals of cybercrime, okay? And, and you can send me an email and they can change the email that you sent to me, what it says. So you can say something like, hey, Doug, this is great. I can't wait to work together. And they can change it to, you know, F you, I'm going to compete with you, right? And I go, and, and so all of a sudden, we, we have no method of truth and we can't go back and know was something changed? So not only are we unaware of it, we can't even audit necessarily that it happened. Because I was impressed with uh, this when Chris Krebs was talking about the election. And he said, look, before we get in, I don't even have to get technical to tell you why it was safe. Here's what I can tell you. 95% of every vote has a paper backup. And so, I mean, we audit the paper. So there's nothing like, who cares what, what China is doing? We've got the paper, right? Yeah, so it, it, it's a it, well, it documented receipt of it. And, but when when people when when people heard well, there's paper for this before all this craziness with with post election. What did people say? People said, 
Why are they dinosaurs? How antiquated? Why have paper? That's redundant. We don't need paper. It would be far more. And, and for how many years has the push been efficiency, 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 eliminate, right? Well, well guess what, everybody? Paper's safer, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not saying we're going back. But what I'm saying is those three things, what we saw happen with the supply chain and this no slack, you know, interdependent global system. Oh, wait, there are some flaws there. Oh, wait, there are trade-offs. The regulation, guess what? The curve, like it's not a question. It, I almost laugh at, you know, what, you know, Microsoft technically did not get broken up. They technically withstood the antitrust suit. Do we think they won that suit? Did it not fundamentally change? Was it not part of what fundamentally changed Microsoft's position? Guess what? Facebook, you know, dinosaur, dinosaur asteroid, it's happening. Right. And so those elements are all coming together that that I, I think like the next three to five years, it, it it's going to be very disruptive because it, we're, we're beginning to see those black swan events that are going to change the, the course and speed that we were on in, in ways that we can't predict. Right. But not, not to mention with COVID, by the way, we're now like this infallibility and in you know and invulnerability to you know to all things it's like wait a second this thing i don't even know what it is and now i'm scared to death to go to the store right well that doesn't just impact that area i i think that i think we're at the beginning of a change and i do think that what ultimately is going to come from this is we're going to start seeing these big tech companies broken up we're going to see the rebirth of of innovation we're going to find you know the core to the to the prosperity of America has always been its middle class. The threat to America has been this dispersion of middle class. Well, the core to a growth business environment is mid market, right? And 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 a small company being a mid market becoming a mid market company that is like a grand slam life, a grand slam existence, right? And now you're a small company. That, that you can't, like, if you're a small company in tech, you can't survive because you can't, you can't withstand the capital requirements of what's needed to keep going. So you become this mid-market company, which just means you now have gotten to the point where, congratulations, someone can bite. <laughs> congratulations, you're now more, you're more valuable to you. Than, than, than you are to Slack. And, and if we think that that's not going to change the flow of capital over the long term, the decisions that people make, if we think those things aren't going to happen, there, there's something wrong. There's something wrong that Slack was anything other than a 100% American success story. The fact that that company had to think about and take a step existentially, that scares me. And, and, and these other elements tell me that I, I think that I think that the road is curving. Where it goes, that's going to be an interesting play. But I think we've got to get out of this. You know, remember, every line's a curve. And I think we've been looking at all these predictions on a straight line. And I think we got to start thinking about some scenarios of what do those curves mean. Yeah. Well, that was a much longer monologue than I had intended. But <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. It will, it will be interesting to see how, one, regulators react. Um, whether or not they're actually able to do anything. And, and also, I mean, the, there's just so much, there's so much money in lobbying that well, is also makes it very, very, very difficult the, for the uh, scariest, these companies to get broken up. The scariest thing that I heard about both of these suits is the risk on the suits is not the legal claims. The risk on the suits is that the government doesn't have what might not have the resources necessary to carry them through to completion. Yeah. Because, because the other companies have more resources. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. I, when I was a kid, big government was big government because like they could overpower anything. And now, anything. and now in this lawsuit, the government is the underdog because, you know, um, yeah. So anyways, so that'll be interesting. Already, We are going to do it. It's time to get back to question of the cast. I don't know. I just made that up. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. How's everybody doing? 
All righty, Hannah, what is the question that uh, that somebody has been waiting for for weeks to get answered? <laughs> so the question for today is, we're trying to embrace inbound more, but how do we manage the transition for our sales team? Mike, you're the inbound expert here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I, I mean, there's lots of organizations that are 100% outbound focused. There's lots of organizations. Well, I wouldn't say, I, I can't think of one company that's just 100% inbound focus. Look, we, we talked to Megan um, from HubSpot a couple of weeks ago. I thought she had some really good points uh, for, for organizations to think about with regards to uh, inbound marketing and, and getting your sales team to embrace it. It's, it's get your sales team involved. Get them involved in the discussion of, hey, what are you doing from a marketing perspective? She talked about this whole flywheel and then they realized the marketing company, while technically it made sense, that the sales process or, or customer success process is a flywheel. It, what they learned was in talking to their sales reps, none of their customers were talking about flywheels. They were talking about friction. Um, so I think by getting, you know, getting the sales team bought into what the marketing team is doing, will really get the sales team uh, embracing um, the new the new methodology for that, for whatever organization is asking the question. So you're saying get the sales team involved early. Get them involved yes. and bought in early. Yes. I completely disagree with you. Okay. Um, so I would say, first off, you got to tell me what, when you say we're, we're, we're looking to embrace inbound, what does that mean? Both, what do you mean by inbound and, and what do you mean by embrace? Um, I mean, if, if you're embracing inbound as, as it's additive, then, then in many ways, there's not really all that much change. Right. You're, well, your sales team should be happy at that point because more, well, see, more leads see, coming their way. I saw this time and time and time again when inbound was new and hot, right? And there was this belief that we're going to move. So, so we'd come in and marketing would say, hey, guess what, everybody? Let me show you the data that says, you know, a lead is, um, you know, one-tenth of the cost or who knows what, which again was a lie because I don't, we'll get, it'll take too long if I go down that track. But, you know, so what we're going to do is we're going to create content and, and the content's going to be relevant to our buyers. And then they're going to come in. And, and then what we're going to do is we're going to turn over, we're then going to work and nurture them. Then they're going to get to a score and then we're going to turn them over to you. And you're going to have people that want to talk to us. And, and, you know, cause people don't want, you know, people don't want you looking for them. They want them looking for you or whatever, um, phrase that they want. And the sales team, first off, let's remember that every sales team and any salesperson that's been in sales for more than a year has likely heard three initiatives promised that had zero follow through. So, so when people ask, why are salespeople so cynical? Well, if you live their life where every time you got told this was the answer and then you never heard about it again, you, you would be surprised. So we launched our first blog post. Remember when you launched your first blog post? Remember your first blog post? Yep. How much? How many views did it get? Probably very little. Mine, the first one, I think my first blog post had my mom and some crazy guy from China. I can tell you the story about the crazy guy from China sometime. I got nothing. How many leads did you get on your first blog post? None. How many leads did you get in your first month of creating blog posts? None. How many leads did you get in the second month of creating blog posts? None. Right. How many salespeople does, does this company have? You have one salesperson? I don't know. Maybe I'll get them involved early. You have 12 salespeople? Okay, you got 12 people who are not expecting leads. You're going to be able to feed the beast of 12 salespeople? How long is it going to take for you? How long is it going to take for you to feed one salesperson enough for them to go, hey, wow, this is cool. To, 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 to care. Right? So, so the, the, the problem is, you tell me that this wonderful thing of inbounds coming in, you want me to contribute, two things happen. One, my expectations shoot up. And two, I stopped doing what I was doing. I, you know, if, if, so if you're like purely relying on outbound and now you're going to embrace inbound, well, I get, well, guess what? For the next 12 to 18 months, your business is dependent on outbound. And if you stop doing that, then, then you better be ready to, to, 
to, to take the downturn, to take the J curve. For, right? Yeah, for your, for, for your business. Right? So, so you've got to get, I mean, so when you're launching inbound, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, the point that you brought out about Megan was great. I would just caution you and anybody on that, that, that it, you know, Megan HubSpot, they're, they've got years of experience of, you know, they, they've hit the basics. And so absolutely at that stage, salespeople, salespeople, salespeople. But right now, we don't even like, you know, they at least had the theory of flywheel to test it against, to come back and forth. If, you know, who knows what that conversation would have been had they not done that. Um, and so now salespeople go, well, where is it? And then, and then two salespeople are having lunch together and they say, hey, Mike, remember, remember, did, didn't like six months ago, didn't they tell us we were going to start getting leads? Who, who are they giving them to? Why, why are they, am I right? Well, yes, but my, my, who are they giving my, them to? Because they're not giving right, them to me. I, I, look, I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, but if, if, and again, we have no idea who asked the question, how big they are, what, what status they, what, what kind of company they are, et cetera. But you don't just hire, you don't just hire a group of, of marketers that don't like, who knows if the marketer truly understands your industry or truly understands the pain points of what the customer is facing. So they're just going to go off and write oh, a bunch of no. crap blog posts. Hold on. No, I think they should talk to the sales team and say, hey, what, what, what do you hear from customers? What, what are the questions that you get? Can we write effective you know, content around that to ultimately answer some so, of those questions for you, which would ultimately maybe lead so, to some- So a, a, I've done that. And in the early, early stages, you don't get, you, A, you don't get a lot of good answers. And B, Megan even said it. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks of consistent asking and showing, asking and showing, asking and showing to begin to build up that that basis. I know I go to salespeople and they go, well, what do you, you know, what do you need? You know, I, I don't, I, yeah, th that is very true. Okay. Th that is very true. Now, I would say if you're not doing inbound, you should say. You should still, well, right. You, you should, should be asking those questions. So it has nothing, right. So, so again, talking about inbound. So the first thing to understand is that inbound is a philosophy. It is not a methodology. Right, right. Okay. So, so the reality is we want to embrace inbound. That's great. Guess what? That's not a big change. And, and more importantly, that's not a change right away that, that affects salespeople because they have to keep doing what they're doing. So when you do ask that question, and, and I'm not saying that marketing shouldn't be talking to sales. Marketing should absolutely be talking to sales no matter what the strategy is. At, at the same point, if you're hiring a marketer that doesn't understand how to understand your industry, well, then why we don't even need to talk about inbound, right? And 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 talking to a salesperson is not going to fix that candidly. Um, so what I'm saying is the mistake that gets made is marketing starts talking about. Let me tell you about this inbound strategy. We're going to start delivering leads to right. Like we, they start, they 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 go to get buy-in. Here's my advice on it. Ready? They call it show business for a reason. It's show business. It's not tell business. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Seek my input. Don't seek my buy-in. I'm too busy for you to get my buy-in if I'm a salesperson. Right? And, and what does my, why does my buy-in matter? You know what I'm going to buy in? When you show me this case study of how you did this and it generated 72 leads that Sam and Jim closed four of them. Hey, give me some of that. How do we do more of that? Right now we're, now we're doing something, but when we come in and this is what marketing wants to do, right? Marketing wants sales to love them. I understand that. Um, here, here's how sales will love you. Be empathetic. Demonstrate that you understand what they're dealing with. And, and I can promise you, if you want to make a salesperson's life easier at a point that you're beginning inbound, Talking about the leads that you're going to generate is, is it not, right? Is not the is that that's not the right that that's so, not the right conversation. So so go and tell them that you want to create a video that supports the point. That, I know, like they go, hey, what's the question you ask? We're going to create this video that supports this so that you can use it. So you have this answer ready to go. You can. Uh, we're going to interview this well-known person so that you can right. Well, guess what? I've now done inbound. That's an inbound piece of content. They can also be used in, and you know what word you haven't used with me? You haven't used outbound. It. No, you haven't used inbound. Oh, right. But 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 what I'm saying is that content piece can also be used in outbound. 
Right. No, right. But, but I'm saying by not like the mistake that happens to get salespeople to embrace inbound is we go out and we say, let me tell you about inbound. First off, every salesperson today worth anything has heard of inbound, right? So when you say we're going to do inbound, this is not some new thing to them. Um, and, and most salespeople. And, well, I think most salespeople would say, well, what we, we haven't, we, we haven't embraced the inbound philosophy. And you know, to, to you know I don't think so. Actually, I don't think so. I don't think they think about it. I don't think salespeople, I don't, I don't think, again, that's something that marketing, candidly, marketing cares about. It sales doesn't. Yeah. Right. Well. They're too busy. They're too busy on the ground, having conversations. Remember to a salesperson, every interaction is different. Only to marketing and, and I value it, but only to marketing are there, you know, are there themes to this? Right. Similarities. Right. And, 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 and so most people, you know, if you're a salesperson at a company that's not successfully doing inbound, then, then your experience when, with inbound is probably not positive. You either don't know anything about it, or you've heard, you've been somewhere where they tried it and none of the leads came in, or the leads sucked, or the lead, you know, for, and, and usually it's not that the leads suck, it's that the leads got turned over too early. Like there's a there's hundred different things that you have to work through before you make this big announcement to your sales team, right? And, and, and so the best way to get your sales team to embrace inbound is to build it and then you won't have to worry about them embracing it and while you're doing that continue to find ways to support them and make their life a little bit easier and and realize that inbound is going to take 18 to 24 months before it really means anything because it takes 12 to 18 months for it for any new marketing initiative to have legs and, and then you've got to deal with whatever that sales cycle is. So guess what? If you're starting inbound today, you're not impacting the number of your sales team in any material way for 18 to 24 months, right? And, and you know what? That's okay. Because it takes a little while to build a tree, right? And, <laughs> and, and so, so don't go out and say, here's this thing or this one. And, and, and by the way, anyone that's just doing inbound, you know, it's, I think it's actually more possible. I know more, more companies that are just doing inbound and only inbound than I know companies that are just doing outbound. Because I know some companies that don't have a real sales team and got entrepreneurs and the only people they talk to are the people that, that connect to them in some fashion, right? It's, it's underlying. It's, it's not good inbound, but it's just inbound. If you have a website and you have a piece of content on your website, guess what? There's some inbound in that, right? Yeah, that's even, it. Right, even right, if right, you're not, right, even if right. you don't have a form, okay? Right, exactly. So, so if you're doing just inbound or you're just doing outbound, you're doing the wrong thing. It should be all about, it should be, uh, by the way, inbound is a philosophy and a tactic. It is not a strategy, right? A strategy is-, is, I, is I, I, I like that. I like that comment that, and, it, and it, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's the orchestration of, of multiple tactics. So build it and realize it's additive and realize it's got to get critical mass before the team responsible for creating revenue over the next three to six months moves off of what it's doing to create revenue in the next three to six months. And so a soft launch, a quiet launch. And when, when, when the sales team comes to you and says, what are you guys doing different? Like, like you, you think what, what's happening? You go, Oh, we're doing this thing called inbound. Right. Right. That, that's how you get them bought into inbound. That's how you get them engaged in inbound. That's, that's how you get that adjustment. And that's how you, 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 you deliver a, an effective, program that enables you to meet your numbers. What you got to say about that, Mr. Donovan? Good deal. No, I, I, that's, that, that's a good response. Not sure I have anything more to add there. Win for me. <laughs> All righty, Mike. It's, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, but. It's we'll, time for tips, predictions, or takeaways. What you you got, go Mike? first. You no, go remember, first. we do this every... The, the I, show setup is you go first. That's how it's. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's okay. All right. Every so, time. Um, I think the key takeaway from, from today's discussion, I'm sure you'll, you'll have some disagreement with it, but I think, you know, any startup that has the vision of becoming the next giant or as you call it, really getting to the, to that finish line, which I, I love the way that you, you put that, uh, put it out there is, hey, if you're going and having an antitrust lawsuit, you have gotten to the finish line. Um, yeah, but you any succeeded, startup, you graduated. Right, right. Any startup 
midsize organization, you've, you've, you've definitely got to plan and think about how those organizations may, may disrupt your path to that place. Um, so whether that be you have you think about how could we potentially exit or um, at some point you have to play their game in order to uh, in order to get ahead, I think. All right. So my, my, my takeaway is going to pick off of that and, and, and circle back to, to a comment that I want to emphasize that I made earlier. Um, the good news is I don't think that our primary market that's listening to this are, are the people that are. Um, necessarily directly competing with Facebook, but it doesn't matter. What I would say is, and this is why I have confidence in HubSpot and why, you know, I say who's going to buy HubSpot. I actually, I'm not convinced that they're going to have to sell because HubSpot has done this very, very well. And I would suggest that everybody do this. And that is play your game, play your game. I think that, that part of the problem is that, that so many people got wrapped up. We, we, we get wrapped up in others games. And I'm curious if Stuart had run Slack playing his game, would that have changed the expectations of his investors, of his people? Um, he was struggling to get talent and keep talent to become the next platform, the next whatever. Um, but I don't think that 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 was Slack's game. And as a matter of fact, in so many ways, I think Slack's the reason the people that I talked to that love, love Slack, it was because of the uniqueness of Slack. I'll say the same thing to BlackBerry. If BlackBerry had played their game and said, Hey, high intensity, mobile driven emailers love us, love us. And, and at the time we're not particularly fond of Apple and the iPhone, and they're still not particularly fond of Apple and the iPhone. Writing emails, I got this nice little keyboard here. It's got this really cool thing. I got three different Bluetooth uh, connections. One of them is tied to my phone. So you so can write I, emails from your phone. Yeah, I, I or, hate writing. Or I can te actually text. So it, it's yeah. text, not email. But, yeah. right? And, and so BlackBerry had said, that's who our market is. You know what? They would have they gone voice to text. They would have invested in voice to text. Because now I can text while I'm driving and and not have it come up with crazy things, and and I I can't say that they I, I don't know where they would be today. I can tell you they would have been a strong profitable entity for much longer. Now they would have been smaller than they were at their height, right? But but the reason that Apple destroyed them and and frankly destroyed them quickly was because Apple set the game, you know. <laughs> Apple played their game, not Blackberry. Blackberry was the dominant player. Apple came in playing their game, by the way, saying no to corporations about integrating with their corporate servers, right? Which prevented a number of corporations from even using them. And what did Blackberry do? Blackberry, instead of doubling down on what their game was, said, oh, we've got to create uh, this, which they were horrible at because they were never a design company. They were a highly, right? And so that was playing their game. I wonder if, you know, I feel like like the reason that people loved Slack and even the reason that, that Stuart talked about why Slack was so compelling, if you look at that and compare it to the vision of the game that he was playing, who knows? You know, everyone's talking about Zoom as, you know, this amazing, you know, beast of, of a player. Um, and, you know, when you go from $177 million to like $700 million a quarter in one year, <laughs> that, year. That, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, I, I don't like I think anybody who's thinking like Zoom is there. I think Zoom is extraordinarily vulnerable. I think to some degree, Zoom, you know, to use a Jeffrey Moore term, the tornado took Zoom to such a place. I'm not 100% sure they are where they want to be. And they're now... Like, you know, what's the game that's that's going to get played? And by the way, you know who's probably going to buy them? Salesforce. Right? Because what do you need? You need you need Slack. If, if you're going to play this game, Slack needs to be able to very easily create uh, multi-person or, 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 or different type video, which I'll point out is what enabled Microsoft Teams, Teams to really to, begin to... Right. to 
to, to, to take ground to take once again playing their game. So my so my takeaway, and this applies whether you're a billion dollar company, a one person company at your kitchen table, 50 salespeople, 200 salespeople, doesn't make any difference. What's your game and play your game? Yeah, shit's gonna happen and you're gonna be disrupted and you're gonna need to you know jive and flow, etc. So are they. Um, you know, there's an old old saying that that you know you can't control the wind, but you can adjust the set of your sail, right? Sail your boat. Stop sailing other people's boats. Ambush or be ambushed is another one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like that. I love that. But you know the companies that you work with. I know the companies I work with. They're not they're not going to ambush anybody. Yeah. You know, and I know, and I I don't mean to I don't mean to diminish it, but I I mean to say that like I love that stuff and I get motivated by it. But then I go, okay, what do I do about that? How does that, right? Because I I, w- I would love to amp. I mean, you know, I've got a whole list of people that I want to ambush. You want to ambush, right? Right? Um, but how you go about ambushing and, them is- and, is and, and so, you know what I realized? Sometimes I start focusing on ambushing somebody. And nothing good comes of it. And, 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 I, and things become less stable and, 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 and there's less successful. So I realized I got I to play my game. And the last thing, as I said, I just want to reiterate, they call it show business. For, they call it show business for a reason. Stop talking about what you're going to do. Stop telling people. Just go do it. And then you don't have to prove anything. That's my takeaway and my tip. Good, good. Well, happy holidays to everybody. Happy New happy Year. Happy holidays. Um, here's to... 2021 being better than 2020 and God help us all. If somehow that uh, doesn't happen, I've heard some people say, well, there's only one direction to go. And I go, I sure hope you're right. (laughs) And on that positive super note, thanks. Happy new year. Happy holidays. We will see you in the 21.